Once Upon a Time is right now, here on Fable City Radio, with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, we travel to Norway for a visit with the Heartless Giant. This story, originally known as the giant who had no heart in his body, starts off as a quest for love by seven brothers, but ends up exploring the life of a strange giant who stands in the way of the prince's happiness. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy The Heartless Giant. Once upon a time, there was a king with seven sons. He loved his sons, who were all grown men, but he despaired of them finding love for themselves because no princesses lived anywhere in the vicinity of his remote kingdom. The young princes grew restless as time passed, and they begged their doting father to let them go out into the world to search for brides. The king reluctantly agreed, but he had one demand. You six oldest sons may go and seek your fortunes out in the world, but you must promise me that you will bring a bride home for your youngest brother, as well as for yourselves. I must have at least one son here with me, so you must not forget about him while you are gone. The six princes agreed to bring a bride home to their brother, and the king had his men prepare the six strongest and swiftest horses in the kingdom for his sons, and had their packs filled to the brim with food and supplies. The princes rode off, excited for their adventure to begin, and thrilled at the prospect of finding their mates. They traveled many leagues, and in time they came to an unfamiliar kingdom. They were welcomed warmly by the king of that land, who was also the proud father of seven daughters. When the seven princesses saw the visiting princes, sparks began to fly. The eldest prince told the king of their mission to find suitable brides and explained that they also sought a bride for their youngest brother, who was still at their palace with their father. The king was agreeable to the idea of a union between the two kingdoms, and his daughters were eager to start their new lives. So the princes made haste to prepare for the journey back home with their new fiancés. They knew their youngest brother would be very pleased when he met the youngest princess, who was a very beautiful and kindly young woman. On the journey back home, the princes sought a shorter route to make the journey easier for the large group. It wasn't long before they found themselves in an unfamiliar landscape bordered on one side by a steep hillside. They did not know that a very dangerous giant claimed the land all around them, and unaware of the danger, they stopped at his house to seek water for their horses. The giant roared when he smelled the young men and women outside. He charged out of his house, waving a wand he had picked up off the body of a wizard he had bested in combat. Instantly, the six princes, six of the princesses, and all of the horses were turned into stone. Everyone was turned to stone except for the youngest princess, who was left trembling in fear before the giant. I have spared you so that you can come and be my wife and do the cooking and cleaning and keep house for me. The giant bellowed at her. The poor princess was too frightened to disobey, so she said nothing as the giant led her inside and put her to work. Meanwhile, back in the kingdom of the seven princes, the king was growing frantic at the absence of his sons. Many months passed, and there was no word or sign of them anywhere. The youngest son begged his father to let him go out in search of his brothers, but the king was frightened that he might also lose the last son he had left. 
Finally, after much cajoling, he agreed to let the youngest son go and look for his brothers. All of the fastest horses had been taken by his brothers, but the youngest prince was satisfied to ride off on an older nag who was not in the best condition. His father had provisions packed for him, and he left in great hopes of finding his kin. The prince was hungry after the long first day's ride, so he stopped to eat and laid out a meal. All at once he heard a bird squawking and calling for help. He looked around and found a raven who was too weak to move well. Uh, please give me something to eat said the raven. I was injured and I couldn't get my own food. Now my injury is better, but I'm too weak to fly. If you share your meal with me, I will be sure to do you a good turn when you need it. The prince was doubtful that the raven could help him in any way, but he was a kindly youth, so he generously shared his meal with the raven, who said, Just call out when you need me, and I'll come right away. Then he flew off. The prince continued on his way, and as he neared a stream, he heard a gasping, crying, and the sounds of a struggle. When he looked down, he saw a salmon flopping around on the ground. Please help me, sir. Just put me back in the water, and I'll do you a favor gasped the salmon. The prince didn't think that a salmon could possibly help him, but he decided to do the right thing and push the poor fish back in the water. The fish popped his head up and said, Thank you very much, kind sir. If you ever need me, just call me and I'll be there right away. Then he swam off down the stream. The prince rode off on his horse. Once again, he heard sounds of distress. He got off his horse and he found an injured wolf who was hungry and tired from the cold. The wolf said, If you help me and give me your horse for food, I will help you, and I will be a great aid to you in a time of need. You can ride on my back once I'm strong enough, and I can run faster than that old nag of yours. The prince hesitated. All he had left was his horse, and he was nervous about giving it to the wolf. But he felt sorry for the once powerful creature, so he decided to let him have the horse. When the wolf was done eating, he regained his strength almost instantly and leapt to his feet saying, Climb up on my back, prince, and I will take you where you need to go. The prince took his horse's bit and put it in the wolf's mouth and climbed on top of the wolf's back. The wolf started running and he ran as fast as the wind, which whistled in the prince's ears. The wolf knew where he was going, and he led the prince straight to the giant's house. You must be careful, prince. The giant who lives here is very dangerous. He's not home right now, so go inside and you will find his new wife. She is not a bride by choice, so I think she might help you, said the wolf. The prince walked up the steps and timidly knocked on the door. The youngest princess opened the door and saw the handsome youth. Who are you? You mustn't stay in this house. The giant who is my husband now will surely kill you if he finds you. I have come here looking for my six brothers who went out in the world to find brides, and they have not been home lo these many months. Look around you, said the youngest princess. Do you see all these large stones right here outside the door? These are thy brothers, and these are their loves, my own dear sisters, who were turned to stone by the cruel giant before he took me as his wife. You cannot think to defeat the giant. He is invincible, for he does not even have a heart in his body, so there's no way to kill him. He keeps his heart somewhere else, and I don't know where that is. But come inside, hide under the bed, and listen to what the giant and I talk about, and maybe we can discover where his heart is kept. If you can get to his heart, you can defeat him. 
The giant came home, and when he walked in the door, he shouted, I smell the blood of a man in this house. The youngest said, That is just the smell of a bone that a bird dropped down the chimney. It was a human bone, I believe, and that's why you're smelling it. Nonsense. The giant snorted and sat down to his dinner. While he ate, the princess started questioning him. I was wondering, my dear husband, where your heart is. I would like to honor your heart because I am so fond of you. I don't think I want to tell you that. But you are my wife, so I will tell you. My heart is underneath the lintel of the doorway there. The giant went to sleep, and the prince stayed hidden. When the giant left the next morning, the prince crawled out, and he and the princess searched the doorway for the giant's heart, but they couldn't find it. The princess took flowers and made a garland and hung it all around the doorway. And when the giant came home and asked the princess why the flowers were there, she said, I know that your heart was here, so I wanted to honor your heart by putting these flower garlands around it. <laughs> My heart isn't there. My heart is actually hidden in the cabinet said the giant. The next day, the prince and the princess searched the cabinet as hard as they could, but they could not find the heart. And when the giant came home once again, the princess had decorated the cabinet with flowers. Why have you strewn flowers all over the cabinet now? asked the giant. You told me your heart was there, my dearest, so I wanted to honor your heart, which I so deeply love, by putting flowers in the cabinet where you keep it. <laughs> My heart isn't there, silly girl. Please, please, dear husband, tell me where your heart is so that I can truly honor you, said the princess. All right, all right. I will tell you where my heart is. There is a lonely castle sitting on an island surrounded by water, and inside that castle there is a well, and inside the well swims a duck. Inside the duck is an egg. And inside that egg lies my heart. I keep it there to keep it safe. The next morning, when the giant was gone, the prince left the house and found the wolf waiting for him. He told the wolf where the giant's heart was, and the wolf ran swiftly for three days, carrying the prince until he reached the lonely castle. It sat on an island in the middle of a deep pool of water, and there was no bridge to cross it. Don't fear, prince, said the wolf. Just hold on tight, and I will swim us across. The wolf swam to the castle, and the prince found the door locked tight. Looking up, he saw a set of keys hanging high above the door, so he called to the raven he had saved. The raven swooped in, took the keys in its beak, and flew them down to the prince. The prince opened the door and searched the castle until he found the well. A white duck swam there. The prince eagerly grabbed the bird, but as he tried to hold the struggling fowl, she laid her egg and it tumbled into the well. The prince, undaunted, called out to the salmon he had saved, and the fish swam into the well and brought the egg to the prince, who traveled back to the giant's house. Once there, he squeezed the egg as hard as he could, and he heard the giant cry out inside the house. He kept squeezing until the egg cracked, and the prince heard a shriek and the sound of the giant's body hitting the floor. He rushed in to find the princess, and together they used the fallen giant's wand to restore all the princes and all of the princesses to life. They all rode home to the lonely and grateful king, who was exuberant at the return of all of his sons. Soon a wedding feast for seven couples was celebrated. 
and two kingdoms rejoiced. All of the brothers and their princesses lived happily ever after. The end. I hope you enjoyed my version of The Heartless Giant. This story is originally known by several names, including The Giant Who Had No Heart in His Body, The Man With No Heart, and even Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, although it's not related to the famous musical. The Giant Who Had No Heart in His Body was a Norwegian folktale collected and published by Peter Christian S. Bjornsson and Jorgen Moe. Forgive my pronunciation. These two men are well known for collecting and documenting Norwegian folklore, and they published their first volume, Norwegian Folk Tales, in 1841. The folk tales were translated into English by George Descent in 1859. Wikipedia notes that in the 20th century, Norwegian filmmaker Ivo Caprino made a series of puppet films based on the fairy tales of Ebsjornsson and Moe. Ebsjornsson is featured in the introduction to each film. Caprino also built a theme park in Hunderfossen, a family park near Lillehammer, where these fairy tales play a central role. Since 2008, Ebsjornsson has appeared on the reverse of the Norwegian 50 krona banknote as well. There are several reasons why I love this story of a giant who keeps his heart outside of his body to protect himself. There are a number of fairy tale analysis books that endeavor to draw parallels between psychological concepts of the self and the theme and symbolism in fairy tale and folklore. It's easy to go too far down this rabbit hole because just as Freud said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. It is often a mistake to imbue everything with symbolism. That being said, it's very difficult not to jump to all sorts of psychological conclusions about a story like The Heartless Giant. The heart holds great symbolism all by itself. In various times and cultures, the heart has been viewed as the seat of the soul, love, and other emotions. The word heart is even used as shorthand for being brave or having pure intentions. In The Heartless Giant, the idea that the giant is invincible because he doesn't keep his vulnerable heart where others can injure it feels profound to me. How many times have I personally wished that I were less sensitive or that my heart, or at least what the heart represents, was safe from the ill intent of other people? Many people go to great extremes to protect their true feelings, hopes, and dreams from other people, if only to shield themselves from emotional harm. So the giant protecting himself in this way feels familiar to me, and I believe to other readers. The giant in the story is mean and quite literally heartless. Is his cruel behavior caused by his distant heart, or was he cruel before he put away his heart for safekeeping? For me, this is the most important part of the story. To me, the giant actually became cruel because he put his heart away first. The seven brothers, their wives, and the king in this story, the two kings, feel like window dressing to me. I feel strongly that this is really the giant's story. In the story, the youngest son has to enlist the help of three magical animals to reach the giant's heart. And I see this again as a metaphor about the ways we have to enlist help and come up with clever solutions to engage with people whose feelings are all bottled up. 
I recently acquired a digital collection of books that are scholarly fairy tale interpretations written in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. One of those books, titled Wish Fulfillment and Symbolism in Fairy Tales by Dr. Franz Ricklin, published in 1915, really opened my eyes to this method of analyzing fairy tales. Ricklin wrote that fairy tales are inventions of the directly utilized, immediately conceived experience and the general human tendency to wish fulfillment. I view this giant story through this lens of wish fulfillment. I think we all wish that there was a direct route to get to the heart of who someone is or that we had access to some magical assistance to get there. Conversely, there are also times that we, like the giant in the story, wish that we could protect our own hearts from harm by distancing ourselves from our feelings by hiding them in a safe place. The giant's attempt to hide his heart work for a while and he's invincible, but it's really an illusion because the youngest son finds a way to breach those defenses and defeat the giant. So perhaps another lesson of this story is that distancing ourselves from our own feelings could actually be a very costly mistake. That's all I have for now. Take care of your own heart, but don't hide it from others. And join me again soon for another story in Fable City Radio.